0: Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Well, we haven't gotten the opportunity to meet. My name is Devin. I'm so excited to be bringing the word. I serve here on staff. And and here's the thing. I I, I pray for opportunities um, to communicate. But I don't always expect them to happen like this. And so our pastor got the stomach bug a couple days ago or, or yesterday. And uh, I got the call about three o'clock and he was like, hey, man, um, be ready. And so he always tells us, you know, be ready in season and out of season. If, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. But I thought that was just a cool saying. But no, it, he actually means it. And so and so um, I know he's watching online right now. In fact, let's show some love to our online people. Come on. Come on. We miss you. We hope to see you again soon. If you're sick, we're praying for you to be healed. Um, We're going to be in Psalm 103, and we're continuing our On Target series this week, and we're really wrapping it up. But before um, we get into the Word, I do have to give honor where honor is due. And, you know, there are some people who are great leaders. There are some people who are great pastors. And then there are some people who are spiritual mothers and and fathers. And and really, um, our pastors have been all three of those things. For me. And the reason why I honor them every time I get up is because when they started investing in me, there wasn't anything I could give back to them. It wasn't like back in 2013 when I got saved at a service that Pastor Stephen was leading. He was thinking, oh, one day I'm going to be sick and I'm going to need somebody to <laughs> preach for me. like, Like, it wasn't any of that. And if I had a picture of how I looked back then, I still wouldn't put it up there. But just know, like, what you see before you today was not what was there. Like, like there was very little there and they chose to, to invest in me anyway. They chose to pour their lives into me anyway. And so if you're here for the first time or, or you're new and you're wondering what our pastors are like, um, they're not perfect, but they love people and, and they invest in people and they want to see you grow into all that God has for you. So can you join me in honoring our pastors, Stephen and Katie Sexton? Come on, we're on our last week of our series, On Target. And it's our hope that God has ministered to you through this series. And, and if you've had to miss one or two weeks, um, no big deal. Just go hop on and, and get the podcast or go rewatch the live stream because there's something significant about being fed um, by your church. And I know we can hop on YouTube and hear great sermons, and, and that's good. And, and we can get on Spotify and hear the best worship in the world. But there's something about being in the house that you're invested in, that you're committed to. And so whenever you miss, go back and, and catch up on what God is doing. As we get started, though, I got to let you know you're going to have to help me, all right? So I already could tell. It's like one or two amens. I see some sleepy in a couple of people's eyes, and I'm just saying, you know, just because Stephen isn't here, Pastor Stephen isn't here, doesn't mean that, you know what I'm saying, you get to coast today. You're going to you're gonna have to help me out. And here's what I tell our kids in youth group. If you'll do a good job at not being bored, then I'll do a good job at not being boring. But if you look bored, if you look sleepy, if you are on your phone, we are going to bust out Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy... All of it, and we just read through it because I like all that. I'll just nerd out on the Bible, and you'll just be here like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. So let's just help each other out. Amen. That's good. That's right. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff that you know how to say. All right. Psalm chapter 103, verses 1 through 5. It says this Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As we finish this series, I'm praying and we're praying that your youth would be renewed like the eagles. And I know sometimes when we talk about this, we think about the older generation or the generation that came before us. But, but as a youth pastor, can I just say that we got some young people that are old, and I get it. I'm an I'm a old soul. You know what I'm saying? I like drinking tea and taking naps and, you know what I'm saying, just reading books and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm down with that. But what I mean is, like, they're, they're, they're kind of, like, slow to respond. They're kind of disengaged. And, and what's funny is on social media, when we post about youth group, oh, they're all in the comment section. Fire emoji, fire emoji, hands raised. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And then we get to youth group. And I'm like, Are you excited, right? Little Billy, you excited? I saw you on social media. And it's like, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. I'm like, where are the emojis? I was expecting some flames. I was expecting some stuff. And so, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to call y'all out. I see y'all on the front row. Great job. Um, but we want your youth to be renewed. Like, we want your spirit to stay young and vibrant and engaged in what God has for you. My assignment today is let it fly. Look at someone and say, let it fly. Let it fly. Come on, let it fly. Say, look at your second option and say, let it, let it fly. Let it fly. Come on. And so this idea of eagles... This isn't just a one off in the Bible. In fact, over 30 times the Bible mentions and makes reference to eagles. And so I want to look at two of these as we set the stage for what we're going to talk about today. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. It says this You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings. And brought you to myself. This is God downloading a prophetic word to Moses on Mount Sinai that Moses is gonna go down and tell the children of Israel. And he's saying, You saw what I did to your enemy and how I brought you back to myself. In other words, how I rescued you. And today, maybe you don't have Egyptians trying to enslave you, okay? That's good news. But, but you may have things, thoughts, or lies that you have believed, or things that the enemy has schemes and plans for your life that want to hold you back, that want to keep you in bondage. And I'm here to tell you that God actually wants to rescue you. He doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to bring you back to himself. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 is another um, place where it mentions eagles. And if you listen to Maverick City, come on, you, you knew this scripture already and you didn't even know it. So um, it says this, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And a couple of weeks ago, they had the Bentonville half marathon and we had a couple people people running from our church and we could show them some love. Come on, that's a, that's a big deal. You may be like, What's the big deal? It was only half a marathon. I mean, that's still 13 miles. and <laughs> That hurts, okay? <laughs> As I was talking to them about it, because I ran it last year, and I was like, never doing this again. But they were telling me how they were getting out of breath, and their legs were hurting, and it was more painful than they thought it was going to be. And I just thought, you know, what, if they come out with something that allows people to, to run endlessly, <laughs> With, with, with no problem, with no weariness, without getting tired, sign me up. Like, whatever, I got a drink, eat, like, try, I don't like needles, but I'll take one. Like, whatever it is that will help me not get tired, come on, I want that. So as we're talking about eagles today, there's really three qualities of eagles I think that we should all be aware of. The first is that eagles have strong vision. Like, their eyes are designed to see far distances. Their eyes are designed to be high up in the air and still be able to see their prey. They can see a rabbit move from like three miles away. Now, that's a, that may not be impressive to you, but sometimes my wife sends me into the pantry, <laughs> and there is something like right here. <laughs> and she's like, babe, will you go get this? And I look everywhere, high and dry, up, down, left, right. Okay, this is what I look everywhere, and I do not find it. And she walks up and just like, It was right in front of your face. And so this happened. The husbands all said amen. We know. It's okay. But eagles have four to eight times stronger vision than the average human. The second thing about eagles I think that's interesting is they have incredible power. Like they're one of the strongest animals in existence. Like you don't walk up to an eagle and give it a high five. Like like their talons are strong and they have a strong grip and they can swoop down and pick up something that's the same size as them and fly off with it. Now, you may be like, well, it's just something the same size as them. You may be able to pick up something that's the same size as you, but then can you fly off with it? (laughs) Because that's the impressive part (laughs) to me. Like eagles are strong. They have incredible power. They are powerful. The third thing that I think that is worth noting is that um, they fly really high. Like most, most birds can fly. But not all of them fly as high as eagles, 10,000 to 20,000 feet above sea level. Their bodies are designed to be able to breathe at high altitudes. Like when storms come, they don't like go sit down. They like fly over the storms. They, they soar through the storms and they use the winds as an opportunity to help them fly faster. And you're like, why are we talking about eagles at church? Like, this ain't History Channel. Like, this ain't Animal Planet. But just like God has designed eagles to have vision and to have power and to fly high, do you know that in your faith, come on, you're called to be like an eagle? Like God has designed you to soar. God has designed you. And when we say fly and soar, really we mean living at the highest level of what God has called you to do. Like, like he's, he's, he's called you not just to be saved, even though that's awesome. And I believe that you should be saved. He's called you to soar. Yes. And on Palm Sunday, as we get ready to go into Holy Week and celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday, I think we need to pause for a second and remember that Jesus came full of vision from the Father full of power to overcome death, hell, and the grave, and the schemes of the enemy over your life so that you could soar into being a son and a daughter. And I think we ought to put our hands together and give some praise for the fact that he sent Jesus. Come on, because of Jesus, you can soar over hardships instead of suffering. Because of Jesus, you can soar over winds and storms instead of sinking. Because of Jesus, you can soar over your enemies instead of being scared. Scared. However... Just because God has designed you to have faith like an eagle doesn't mean that we always achieve that. And sometimes when I, when I look out or sometimes when I look at it in my own life, I see Christian chickens, okay? If we're just being real, I see Christian chickens. I'm not talking about Chick-fil-A, even though they should be open on Sunday. I'm gonna start a petition. It's all good. <laughs> what do you mean, Devin? I'm a Christian chicken. Well, when I was in high school, I moved in with this family friend of ours. I moved out of my mom's house, and, and I moved in with this guy named Big Steve, okay? And, and he was like an uncle to me. I mean, just imagine a guy with the name Big Steve. I mean, like 6'2", 250, and Big Steve did not play. Like, at B- Big Steve's house was not like my mama's house. At my mom's house, you know, you can kind of go and come as you please. Don't stay out way too late, and don't disrespect her, or you know what I'm saying? She might have to, you know, smack you or something. But other than that, it was pretty much do what you want. But at Big Steve's house, oh no, you had to earn, you had to earn your keeping. So to stay at Big Steve's house, you had to do some chores, you had to cut some grass, you had to help him with his truck, you had to like you had to do the dishes, like you had to help out around the house. And if you wanted extra money, like there was no allowance. It was like I'll allow you to live here. So, <laughs> so if you wanted some money, oh you had to go and do some work. You had to go and get a job. And and he he knew like everybody. You know those people that they just go into town and everybody's like, What's up, Big Steve? What's up? And so he knew a man that ran a chicken truck, and let me just pause right here before I tell the rest of the story. If you're like a vegan, vegetarian, I'm so excited for you. That's great, but um, I'm not, and also you're not going to like the rest of the story, but I needed money, okay, so don't judge me. I just needed the money, all right, and so what would happen is this chicken truck would come and pick me up in the middle of the night, and, and it sounds really sketchy when you say it like that, but, but, There would be like 12 to 15 dudes on on this crew, and and we would pull up to these chicken houses, okay? And this is not like just like a little house. Imagine like a football field wrapped in metal full of chickens. And my first time going, like I had no idea what to expect. Like I had never been. I just knew that they're going to give me some money at the end of this week, and so I'm going to go do it. Um, But when we got there, I realized that uh, this was going to be a terrible night for me. Um, It was full of chickens. It smelled Terrible like the worst smell that you can imagine and we would go in you turn on all the lights like you scare all the chickens to One side and then we would spend the whole night like picking up chickens and putting them in cages And i'm gonna just stop right there, but that's how you get chicken anyway, so you know what i'm saying (laughs) We're not designed to be chickens because here's what i learned about chickens in that experience um they don't really think like the most logically. Like out of all the animals, like, I, like if we're having an intelligent contest, I'm not gonna go, I'm picking a chicken. Because instead of like realizing like, oh, the last time these people came in here, all the chickens that went that way kind of disappeared. And then maybe I'm gonna go the other way. No, they all just go together. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, if we just, it's like they think if they'll just stack up, then we will just be like, oh no, there's so many, we're not gonna pick them up. That's not how it works. It just made my job easier. <laughs> See, chickens would, would rather be together going in the wrong direction than separate and be free. Wow. Chickens search for their dirt in the food. Chickens are in coops and cages. When a storm comes or when you do something that shocks chickens, like they run and they, and they flab and they go to where all the other dramatic and confused chickens are at. But eagles don't behave that way. And and we're not called to be chickens. Can I tell you that we here at the house, this is not a chicken house, so we're not raising up Christians who who are chickens. Come on, this is a nest for eagles to come to learn how to soar, to learn how to fly, to learn how to behave like you're called to behave, to learn how to be a son and daughter of the king. See, while chickens are looking down for their food, eagles gain a higher perspective. While chickens are in cages and boxing, eagles are on mountains and treetops. See, chickens are scared, but eagles aren't fearful. They're not where all the drama is at. Come on, they are using the winds of adversity to soar even higher. But do eagles just like pop up in the air? No, there's a process. Like baby eagles have to be born into a nest. Like they they have to be fed. They, They have to be... They have to be allowed to grow in an environment that's familiar and safe. They have to be watched over. The goal actually for, for mama eagles isn't creating safe little eaglets. It's, that's what they're called, that's what I think. That's what I think was called, yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was funny. It's a funny word, but yeah, that's what it called. Um, like the goal isn't to create safe baby eagles. The goal is to create eagles who know how to soar. And so for all of us in the room who, who have small kids, can I just pause and talk to us real quick? The goal, and I, and I get it because I have a three-year-old son, and I feel like he wakes up every day and thinks, how can I hurt myself today? <laughs> like, like, what is the most dangerous thing I can do? Like, are you supposed to slide down this slide? What if we just jump off? Like, I'm like, <laughs> no. But if I'm not careful, I'll make safety the goal instead of soaring. Yes. Like, keep your kids safe, like put a helmet on them, like strap them into the car seat, like all those things are great. But, but safety is not the goal, safety is a priority, but soaring is a goal. And so for me, teaching my son what God has called him to do is a goal. Come on, raising him up around people who believe in him and love him is a goal. But keeping him safe is a priority, but ultimately I'm trying to help him become someone who knows how to fly. See, eagles have a process before they can fly, and Christians have a process before they can let it fly. See, when you're born again, you have to be fed spiritually. Like, and the Bible says that we don't live off of bread and bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so there's different seasons of, of you being fed. You may be in a season where, listen, you just need to come to church and be fed. Like, the word is feeding you, and it's renewing your mind, and, and, and you're just taking it in. And it, and it makes me think about, you know what I'm saying, my cooking career, which isn't like illustrious at all, okay? I'm not that good. Um, But when I was a child, my mom cooked everything. And we're from Louisiana, so my mom would throw down, okay? My mom would cook red beans and rice, gumbo, fried chicken, collard greens, like all the things that make your cholesterol go high. My mom was good at cooking those things, okay? And so, um, but when I got married, my wife, Sydney, quickly let me know um, that she is not my mama, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I was going to have to learn how to, how to cook a few things. And that was a rough little time. Okay, I learned how to do bacon and eggs, come on, pancakes. Just to, like for breakfast, I'm like, girl, I could kill breakfast, but every other meal, like, you got it. Um, but then we got Hello Fresh. Oh, and we got HelloFresh. That, that changed the game. If, if you don't know about Hello Fresh, I'm about to save your life right now. I'm about to save your marriage. It's going to be great for you. Um, they send you this box, and it's full of everything you need. Like, it has all the ingredients. It tells you how to cook it it breaks down the whole recipe. You don't even have to measure it because it, it gives it to you in the correct measurements. It's, it's lovely. And so I was like master chef on the, <laughs> on the Hello Fresh. Like if you send me the ingredient ingredients and tell me exactly what to do, come on, I can put two and two together and I can make some pork Gouda burgers. Come on, I can make some street tacos. I can make some pork chops. I was feeling like Gordon Ramsay. I'm just telling you I was throwing down. <laughs> and then we had a budget meeting. You know what I'm saying? A little family budget meeting. And, uh, Sydney was like, hey, I know we love HelloFresh, but uh, if we want to save some money, we're going to have to start buying our own uh, groceries. And, and so we had to start going to the store, to Walmart, and uh, picking out our own groceries. I know some of y'all like, you shop at Walmart, I shop at Aldi. That's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll forgive you. Um, But we have to go and stock our own pantry and and look up the recipes on Pinterest and and figure out how to make some stuff on our own. And just like I had to go through this process of of learning how to cook, come on, for us being fed spiritually, you're going to have to go through these different seasons. And so there may be a season where you come and you're just being fed. But then there may be a season where you step into, you know what? I'm not just coming to church to be fed. Maybe I don't know what ingredients I need. So I'm going to come to the church and whatever church is like studying that week or whatever the sermon was about. Now I know, okay, these are the ingredients that I'm going to go in this week and I'm going to cook something. And then when you come back on Sunday, that's how you find out if what you cooked was actually like true and biblical and not heretical or if it worked or if you applied to your life, it's going to change something. And then eventually, we even want you to move to the place to where you're going shopping for yourself. You don't need the recipe to be handed to you by someone, but you're able to go home and read your word and begin to cook something and begin to feed other people. But if we're going to soar, we have to be fed spiritually. The next thing is you have to be watched over. And God has designated leaders in churches to watch over us. And so when we talk about the nest, come on, we're talking about the church. For the believer, the, the nest is the house of God. And I get it. It's easy to look at the news and to see everything that's going on with, with pastors and, and them falling. And, and absolutely, like, like pastors are called to a higher standard. Like the Bible says that not many of you should teach because you know that you're going to be judged harshly. When I read that, I was like, hold up. <laughs> but I just, you know what I'm saying, called, so I still got to do it. Um, but don't look at the media and get discouraged and think that every leader and every pastor is going to be perfect. Because if you are looking to a man, I can just stop you right now. For perfection, you are never going to find that. What you're going to do is you're going to find broken people who, who deal with sin, who put their pants on the same way that you put your pants on, who are trying to lead. But you do need leaders in your life. When Jesus came back and Peter was on the boat, he went out to him and he said, feed my sheep and take care of my sheep. And so there are people called to help you grow in your faith. And then you're going to have to be allowed to grow in a familiar and safe environment. And that's what the church is. That's like, that's why you want to be on the dream team. That's why you want to go through framework, because this is a place where you can come up come on and begin to use your gift. This is a place where you can begin to figure out what are my spiritual gifts and how can I use those to build the church? And nobody here is going to go, wow, that really sucked. (laughs) They like, say, you know what, you're growing and you're learning and here's some wins and here's some make betters. And next time, you know it, you may have tried to fly and you tripped up a little bit and you clipped your wing and you may it may hurt. It may, you may get hurt. But what I'm saying is you are going to grow if you're in a familiar and safe environment. I believe today that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about getting your flight right. It doesn't matter how many motivational YouTubes or podcasts you listen to. Like those things in themselves don't help you overcome the schemes and the attack of the enemy. The power of God, come on, the Holy Spirit activating something inside of you is what will help you overcome the enemy's plan and temptation for your life. In order for, you to t- in order for your faith to take flight, you have to submit to the process. And I know in our culture, in our generation... Um, Process is almost like a cuss word. Okay, (laughs) like I I don't know about you, but I don't like process I like processed food. That's fine. But any other type of process I Am not into come on. I want to post on social media and I want to immediately have a thousand likes and a hundred comments Okay, y'all judging me. you all gonna act like it's not (laughs) it's not you. Okay I want to immediately have about 50,000 in my account. I don't want to save nothing. I just want it to be there I actually want my the oil in my car to just change itself All the like we got iPads and airpods and all these things that we still don't have oil that can change itself (laughs) Like nobody likes process but it's during the process where you mature. It's during the process where God begins to show you how to fly. And so maybe you find yourself here today and you're like, you know what, Devin, you're talking about God's best for my life. And, and if I'm being honest, like I'm not quite hitting that level. Like, like I'm not quite flying like I know I should be flying. I don't really feel like eagle's wings. I feel more like a pigeon. You know what I'm saying? If I was ranking myself and, and, and I'm wanting to get to the eagle's wing. And, and can I ask you something? Like, where are you at in relation to the nest? Because the nest is where we come to get training. Like, the nest is where we come to learn how to fly. The nest is where we go back home. And all I'm saying is you can't be distant from God's house and think that you're going to fly at the level that he wants you to fly at. And I get it. I see quotes and people on social media who have influence saying, you know what? You don't need church to be a Christian. And that's that's a half truth. Like, Jesus saves you. The church doesn't save you. But in order for you to be equipped to fly, (laughs) in order for you to soar, come on, you need the church. And if if God wanted to just save you, if if His plan for your life was just just get them saved, just just get them out of hell, and that's going to be good, then when you got saved, the heavens should have opened up, and you should have just been levitated into heaven. But maybe God left you here to learn how to soar, because there would be other people who are living like chickens, who need to see somebody that came from where they came from, who look like they look, who talk like they talk, who God has allowed to begin to soar, and your testimony actually can impact other people, but you're going to have to have a good relationship with God's house. So you're going to find yourself in one of three places when it comes to your position with the nest, and the first is doubting. And when you doubt, you have no eternal focus, confused by what God really wants you to do and become, shame over your past decisions or situations, And, and that leaves you truly believing that God doesn't love you. And I've been right there. I've been in services where where preachers or pastors were were speaking and and the word was good, but, but I found myself thinking, man, that's really good for the person next to me or behind me. But if they really knew my life story and they really knew where I came from, there's no way they would be saying that because there's no way that God believes that about me. And if you find yourself in a place of doubt, can I just say like, don't be discouraged. Like God is not like casting you to the side. God is not disqualifying you because you have doubt, but he does want you to wrestle with it in a healthy way. And so while the world offers you a cheap solution, if you go to the world with your doubt, they don't have an eternal focus. So, so, so why would you even have to wrestle? Like why would you even need to fly if there's no eternal reward if there's no and if you believe that all I'm saying is like I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that I believe that there's life after this There's there's an eternity to be lived come on and the decisions that you make today impact your tomorrow but I've been there because when I when I got saved all of my like intellectual questions didn't just go away and I had a lot of questions Come on. Is the Bible true? Did Jesus really walk this earth? Is God, does God exist? If God is good, why do bad things happen? Like, like, like I had all these questions, and you know what I didn't do? Just go in my room and watch a bunch of YouTube videos of people who are church hurt. You know what I did? I went to leaders who were following God, who were who, who I say, you know, what? I had a vision for my life and this person is walking out. Some of it, they may not be walking it out 100% perfectly, but they've got somewhere. And so I'm going to ask them some questions. Come on, I'm going to wrestle with people who actually want to believe what I want to believe. Like, why would you wrestle <laughs> with what you want to believe with someone who's coming from a completely different perspective? Their foundation is not Jesus. And so when we're dealing with doubt, it's okay, but we have to wrestle it and we have to move forward. Because if we don't, And we just ponder it and we just like think and have inner dialogue about it. The enemy actually loves that. If he can keep you from opening your mouth and talking about it with God and people who want to push you forward, then he can get you to just ponder on it and think on it and then he can get you to move to disbelief. And so, you know what? I was questioning if it could happen, but now I don't think it will happen. Like, 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 I don't know if God is good. Instead of going from like, I don't know. Now you're like, I know that he's not. And so when we have doubt, we have to be careful that it doesn't remove us from the house. In fact, it should draw us into the house because every question you have, there are people in this room and in this church that have wrestled with that. And even if there aren't, there's a certain level of maturity that says, you know what, God, you've proven to me that you're good enough. And even if you don't answer all of my questions, I'm still going to serve you. Like, even if you don't answer every single thing that I have, all 100,000 questions that I have on my checklist, like, I'm still going to obey you. Not every time that I go to Malachi and tell him to do something, do I want him to sit down and open up his notepad and say, yeah, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? I'm sending him to Nick's house if he he do all that, okay? Um, So we have to be careful that our doubt um, doesn't take us out of the game and keep us from flying. The second place that you can find yourself is trying. And when we're trying, um, we want benefits without surrender. And sometimes it's not that you don't want to surrender. It's almost like it's hard and you keep coming up against these same cycles. And, and how Paul described it was, it was a thorn in his flesh. And it's like on, on, on some days, you feel like you're on fire for God and you can do everything that he's called you to do. And other days, like you are more concerned with yourself than you are with his purpose on your life. And, and so it's hard to know where, like, am I in or am I out? And the Bible actually says that God would rather you be hot or cold, but it's the lukewarm that he spits out of his mouth. And, and I think about the summers growing up in Louisiana. And in the summer in Louisiana, Alexis can testify to this, it's about 110. <laughs> and it's humid, so it's like, that's really for like a 150. But, but my mom had a rule at her house. You can't run in and out during the summer. And she would actually, like, lock the door on us. Like, she would lock the door. She'd be like, listen, the water hose is out there. If you get thirsty, don't come in here unless you're bleeding. And if you are bleeding, you need to be bleeding a lot before you come in here. And what she would say is, like, you're letting out all my good air. And <laughs> what was she doing? She was trying to keep the environment in the house at a certain level. And she was trying to keep all the heat from coming in. And so when I talk to leaders at, at youth group, I tell them, like, when you're going to be here, like, when you tell me you're going to be here, You have to be here. Like when you say you're going to be at church, you have to be at church. Not because I want to control when people are here and not here, but because we are creating an environment in our youth ministry where young people are learning how to fly. And I can't have people who are here half the time and not here half the time, or they say they're going to be there and they're not there because we are creating an environment and I'm trying to keep all my good air in. And so you cannot come to church 12 times a year and learn all that you need to learn. Like you can't come to church 20 times a year and lead at the level that God has called you to. We got to get back to the place to where we have believers who are committed to being in the house of God. Because you don't know what just that commitment is communicating to young people. Like you don't know what that, commu- that, like that commitment, you, just you showing up and sitting in the same spot every time. is communicating to a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old who didn't grow up seeing people committed to church. And so we're going to have to move past just trying and we're going to have to start doing the last spot that, that you can find yourself in in relation to the church and the nest is, and this is really where we would hope that you would find yourself, this is where we're believing for you to ha- find yourself, is becoming. Come on, you made the decision. You're surrendering to the process. You're starting to trust again that, that, that the house is a place or the church is a place where you can actually learn how to fly. And sure, you may trip up sometimes. Sure, there may be some injury. Sure, you may get hurt. Sure, somebody may say something that rubs you the wrong way. But ultimately, like, growth is happening. And if we're constantly focused on perfection, if we need everybody to do it perfect and everyone to say it perfect and everything to go perfect, like the AC got to be right and the door got to just swing open like an automatic door every time you come to church. At some point, we're going to sacrifice growth because we're seeking perfection. But growth is the goal. Come on, look at somebody and say, let it fly. Come on, as we are closing out the series today, next week is Easter, we're so excited. We've got four services. Um, it, it's going to be awesome, but we've been talking a lot about targets, and um, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a lot of experience with targets. I'm not really the guy to shoot stuff, okay? That's not I shoot basketball, you know what I'm saying? But that's about it, and uh, I'll tell you why. I have a quick little story. We, we, have, some, we have some neighbors that uh, we really see as family. And I'm really starting to question that uh, family part because they invited me over to their house a couple weeks ago. They invited me and my family. It was it was the baldries, Shelby and Nick. Come on, put your hands together for them. Aren't they awesome? Come on, they serve in life groups and framework and they broke preach a couple weeks ago. And uh, so they invited us over, they had us over and um, we were, you know, it was just a normal morning we were eating breakfast. Um, they have a lot of young kids. We have Malachi, and, and so he can run around with their kids and fight and play, and then he don't have to fight me all the time, and so, and so we love going over there, and, and afterwards, we were just hanging out, and, and Nick started telling me about this new hobby that, that he's picked up of, of shooting bows and arrows, okay, bone and arrows. How do you say that? Archery. There you go. Boom. Um, <laughs> He's been doing that. And I'm, you know, I'm listening hesitantly. I'm like, okay, that, that sounds cool. And he was like, man, we, we, we ought to shoot. And I was like, okay, okay. And I, and I'm trying to like, you know what I'm saying? Step outside of my comfort zone. Come on, get out of the nest. Come on, flap my wings. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do new things. And so I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. I'm, I'm going to shoot this bow and arrow. And he brings it out. And it's like, it weighs the same amount as me. And I'm just like, okay, how you do this? And, and, um, He's being really patient. He teaches me, you know what I'm saying, how to aim and, and, and release and, 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 you know what I'm saying, look at the target and do all that. And so I got to tell you, the first couple of times we did it, I, I, your boy was winning. Like, like I hit the target. Maybe it wasn't like a three-pointer, but it was like a layup. And um, I started having questions because Nick placed the, the target right against his brick wall on the outside of his house. And now Nick is a guy with great judgment, and so I would never question his judgment. So I was like, he must know what he's doing. He has been doing this. And so I hit it a couple times and, and something happened with one of the arrows and he was like, oh man, I got to go in the garage and get a new arrow. And I was like, okay, I was feeling good. And when he came back, that's when the trouble began. Because somewhere in the journey, I kind of forgot some of my training. Okay. I, I forgot how to fly. I forgot what he had taught me to do, and so when he came back, I wasn't going to say, teach me again. <laughs> I'm a man. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> he already taught me once, and so I pull it back. I'm feeling pretty confident. I aim. I release, and it hits the brick wall right above the target, and if that's not bad enough, as if this arrow was a heat-seeking missile, it turns back <laughs> and hits me right here. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, th- my exact reaction. Um, <laughs> thankfully, the tip of the arrow had broken off, so nobody died. And, and I didn't really realize the severity of the situation. I don't know if you've ever been in an experience like that where it's happening fast, but it's also happening slow. And you don't really know until after, like, what really just happened. And um, the way that I found out was Nick was like, man, I'm really glad you didn't just die right there. And I was like, <laughs> there was a risk of death? <laughs> like, I could have just died? Sir, that's something that you tell somebody on the front end. That's not something you tell me after the worst case scenario just happened. My son was out there. Your kids were out there. Like these are things that we talk about on the front end. And so without hesitation, I gave him his bow back and I will never touch it again. I will never aim at a target again. And as we're talking about this, I know it's funny, but so many times I see Christians putting down what God has given them as weapons because they feel like they've missed the target and they've hurt themselves or they hurt somebody else. And maybe it's not that you need to put down your weapons. Come on, you don't need to stop praying. You don't need to stop coming to church. You don't need to stop using the gifts that God has given you. Maybe you just need to aim better. (laughs) Maybe you need to release better. Or maybe when you forget how to do it or you fall off, you need to go to somebody who knows what they're doing and say, hey, can you teach me again? No Just because we miss sometimes doesn't mean we stop shooting. We fix our aim. And Paul tells us in First Timothy um, what our aim should be. So let's look at this thing. are going to put it on the screen. Come on. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience. In a sincere faith, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Come on, we all know somebody like that. Don't point no fingers. Um, Now, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Go to the next one. Cool. Understanding this. That the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers. And I just got to say, you must not have a mama like my mama if you would even try something so crazy. Uh, (laughs) For murderers, that's what my mama would become if I ever struck her. Um, (laughs) The sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, man, there's some things that you should be aiming for and there's some th- things that you should be letting go. There's some things that you should be aiming for and there's some things that you should be letting go. Let's, can we go back to the beginning real quick? I just want to point them out to us. Come on, the aim of our charge is love. Come on, you ought to be aiming for love. Like you, you ought to be aiming to love people more than you're aiming to judge people. You, you ought to be aiming to love people more than you're aiming to correct people. Yeah. Like, I get it. People need truth, and we're all for that. But people need to be loved. Like, they need to know that you love them. Come on, you need to aim for love over always being right. You need to aim for love over being afraid. Yeah. So when an opportunity comes where you can either choose to be afraid or to choose love, I would encourage you, choose love. Come on, love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience. Come on, you need your hands and your heart and your eyes, come on, to be pure before the Lord. Come on, you have to ask him, will you purify my eyes? Will you purify me? Will you renew a new spirit in me, God? Like, will you make me pure? A good conscience and a sincere faith. Come on, we're not wanting the faith that we just have just enough faith to get up to go to church on Sunday. Come on, we're the faith for our life. Come on, we want the faith for Monday when that person comes into the office and says something that makes you really just want to, like, lose all of your religion on them. Like, like, we're asking for sincere faith, and we're aiming for those things. And sometimes we spend so much time aiming on finances. Come on, we spend so much time aiming on relationships. We spend so much time aiming on advancing in our career. And all those things are great. They just can't be your aim. And I would say if you aim and hit these things, then every other area of your life will be blessed. Come on, if you seek the kingdom of God first, then everything is going to be added to you. And so you will have a great marriage if you aim for love and a sincere faith and purity. Like you will have great kids if you aim for love and faith and, and purity. Like, like, like those things are byproducts, but they can't be your end goal. Your end goal has to be love, pure, a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Now let's talk about what you got to release and let go. Come on, let's go, to the, let's go to the next one. Y'all don't get mad at me, okay? Remember, this is the Bible, so get mad at God. Um, <laughs> don't, yeah, honestly, just don't get mad. Um, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. So you got to let go of disobedience. For the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers for murderers come on, you got to let go of dishonor. Like if everyone has to do it right for you to accept them, come on, we, we got to let go of that. I'm not really worried. I don't know everybody here, but for the people I know here, I'm not really worried about you guys going and murdering somebody. But what are you building about that person with your lips when they are not around? Like, like what are you building in your heart against that person? Come on, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, like we got to keep sex within the confines of marriage, of how God set it up. And I'm going to leave that for Pastor Stephen and Katie to talk about enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. See, there's some things that you have to let go. You can't hold on to everything And think that you're going to be able to soar. You can't hold on to all of your past wounds and all of your past baggage and think that I'm going to soar at the level that God has for me. Come on, as the band um, gets ready to come, come up, there's only one way to fly. You make the decision to surrender to the process. Make sure your focus is locked in keep the aim of love from a pure heart, good conscience and sincere faith. Don't be a Christian chicken. Come on, always running to where the drama and the confusion is at. Like like chickens cluck a lot. But they're not very like productive. I don't even know what it, what sound an eagle makes. But but they're constantly soaring. Like they're constantly moving to the next thing. Come on, aim and release. Come on, don't aim off to the left. Don't aim off to the right. Come on, don't aim a little too high and hit the brick wall. Like, get back in the nest. Like, aim for God's house. Aim for a place where you can grow and learn to thrive spiritually and begin to be fed. Because we want to see God's best for your life. Start becoming all God has for you. Make the commitment to be a Christian that is full of strong vision. That is full of power. Come on, and that flies high that when the storm comes against your life, you're not gonna quit or go find somewhere to sit down, but you're gonna use those winds of adversity as an opportunity to help you soar even further. Come on, as we kind of land the plane to this, this morning, come on, you see what I did? Land the plane, we were talking about flying. That was good, I'm just saying, thought about that a lot. Thought about that a lot in the last few hours. Um, there's two groups of people I wanna talk to those of us who find ourselves in the doubting face like you know what I don't I'm really wrestling with this is God good or maybe it's not even the goodness of God that you're wrestling with but you're wrestling with like am I good enough for God to use me and I get what you're saying and, I, and, I, and I've tried it over and over again and it just doesn't seem to be working can I just speak to you don't give up come on get back in the nest Come on, we're going to let you try to fly one more time. And if it doesn't work, you're going to get back in the nest. And we're going to do it one more time until it begins to stick. Because the word of God doesn't return back to him void. It actually does in the earth what it was sent out to do. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.